Last week was our first week, and we're, we're probably a little bit different to many churches, guys. We recognize that in the sense that we didn't meet in person throughout the entirety of the, the, the whole you know, last year and a half. And um, so that's a really odd situation. And somebody said last week, you know, how did it go? And it was like, do you know, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, as not it worked, we did all the things that we would always have done when we gather together. But then the more I reflected, it was also like, it was really strange. And I couldn't quite put my finger on, on why, but it was just this sense of, of both the very familiar and then the very unfamiliar. And so we've re-entered um, on a personal level in all different ways. We have been re-entering life um, and what that might look like for us in our jobs and in our families and, and um, when you've got family overseas. There's all sorts of different ways we're facing re-entry. And then as a community, we're also re-entering a space together where we've probably journeyed in little groupings. We've had our friendship groupings. We've maybe had our clans. We may have even gone deeper and gotten to know certain folks in the community um, you know, in more personal and deeper ways. We may have journeyed more in, you know, on our own and God's done incredible things in that time. Now, whichever way we look at it, re-entry can be a really, really strange time. So much has changed. And when I was, um, I left New Zealand when I was 19, I came to the UK to um, do a discipleship training school. And so I spent nine months, uh, six months doing that. And then I spent time with a team that went to um, Belarusia, which was about three, four months after the Soviet Union had broken down. So for those of you that are old enough to remember the days of the Iron Curtain and all of that, like it was a really big deal when communism from 89 began to fall. And so we came into the, the country to do um, some, some work, some evangelism and different things, some mission um, with a group in Belarusa about three, four months after their freedom had come. So it was very new and it was strange. You would go into shops where there'd be queues of people, um, you know, coming out the door. And when you queued, it was because there was one shipment of soap that had come in. There'd be nothing on the shelves bar soap and everybody would gather to buy the soap and, and on and on. And every day, that's what we would sort of experience. So it was really strange going, um, you know, abroad and spending nine months away from home. And at the end of that, I was going back to New Zealand uh, to see the family. And so one of the things we used to talk about a lot was reverse culture shock you go to a new place, I went to Russia and it was strange, you know, there was a lot to adapt to. But what I hadn't anticipated was the experience of actually going back to New Zealand because after nine months away, I was excited, I was full of joy and anticipation of seeing family again and friends and telling them all the stories of the things we had done and what we had seen and etc, etc. And, um, and so there was this high expectation and anticipation. And when I got home, I found it was a little bit of a different story to that. That wasn't the experience of going back and re-entering into that culture. That actually I found there were people I would turn up at church and they're like, oh, nice to see you. <laughs> it's like, is that all? <laughs> 
you know, I had this nine months of all these experiences and God changing me and learning things and stepping out and doing new stuff. And, and they're just like, oh, good to see you. And, and so they, they're entered into the midst of that a whole mix then of experience and emotions of, of sort of some disappointment and, um, you know, judgments. You know, I had friends who were just like, I don't, they, they found me difficult because all I wanted to do was talk about Jesus. <laughs> and then they felt like I was judging them because they didn't want to do that. And I realized I had had all this experience of different things and they had changed and I had changed and some things had stayed the same and other things hadn't. And so, you know, in that experience of that, you know, we can end up with all sorts of things going on. We can end up feeling isolated um, from those around us. We have a, a story and over this past 18 months, guys, each of you, like literally, you know, I, I wish I could expand time in order to be able to sit down with each one of you for a couple of hours and say, what's your last 18 months been like? Because it would just be a catalogue um, of different experiences. And, you know, when I read through the sort of those, those accounts of how Jesus met with the disciples after his resurrection, there's that same sense of where you get each one of them has a different story. Each one of them has a different experience of how Jesus comes and meets with them because he needs to reassure them after all of these weird and wonderful and different things they've been through and the experiences they've had. He comes and he meets with them all in different ways and in personal ways. Um, A very precious lady that we know um, who is now with Jesus she used to use the word, she would encourage us to say, who can use the word discombobulation? See how many times you can use that word. It's a fantastic word. But I don't know about you guys, but certainly over the last 18 months, I have experienced on many occasions that feeling of discombobulation, of things not being as they were or should be, or a little bit of confusion as to what's going on and how is this going to pan out and what's it going to look like. And as we begin, guys, to regather as community, you know, we may also experience some of that, that things have changed a little bit, our routines have changed, we don't have children downstairs at the moment, we, we don't have chairs and rows anymore, we don't maybe have all the people in the room that we used to see, or maybe there's new faces in the room. And for each of us, some people will thrive in that and love that and welcome that, and it points for others of us, you know, we find, may find that that discombobulates us a little bit and that we have to refine in this new season, like when I went home to New Zealand, we have to refine our way together as community, but even in our own personal lives, there are, there are ways that we're having to refine and redefine um, what it is that God is wanting to do. And I just, we just really wanted to touch on it, guys, to just clock it, you know, in order that, because it can be very easy when things are a bit unsettled or or they're not the way we expect them to be, to put that down to all sorts of other reasons. And we can, you know, in, in places of confusion, we can start putting that down to judgments of, well, this isn't working anymore, or those people don't seem to be doing that the way that we used to do it. And so we just want to keep creating that space of grace 
as we kind of work out um, what this looks like together in new ways with, with new people and in new friendships and, and what is on God's heart for us as he takes us forward as a community. When we talk about going home, you know, one of the things that home should, doesn't always in everybody's experience, but one of the things home should bring is a sense where it's a place of safety and understanding and a place of, of belonging, a place of trust. And so we just need to work together and with the Father as he reestablishes some of those things amongst us, that they're not necessarily just an automatic given when we haven't done journey together for nearly two years you know, that there is that place of re-establishing. So we just continue to encourage one another to, you know, get together with people. We've maybe journeyed really closely with some, but maybe it's inviting somebody around or somebody out for coffee that you haven't journeyed closely with. And just hearing, making space for one another's stories so that we can really begin again in areas where it's not because anything's gone wrong, but there's just been a missing part of continuing to build in that place of trust and understanding with one another. And why it's key, you know, there are, if I asked for a, in fact, no, you don't have to put your hands up, but knowing personalities and different personalities, there'll be some in the room who are people that just love to look forward. No, no sense of wanting to look back or what's been before. Let's just pick up and let's keep going forward. And then you'll have those personality types who are amazing at reflecting and they love to take time to look back and see what they can learn from it. And um, we absolutely need always to do both of those things. But this morning, I just wanted to encourage us guys as a community to take those times now to keep pausing when we need to to reflect. I am more of a looking back person um, in the sense of I really always want to learn what we can take from things in order to, to take them forward with us. But also just knowing that it's really important. You know, when Jesus met with the disciples, if you read the stories for every single one of them, he, he spoke into something really specific for them. And when you look at what that was, each of those things was something that I believe would have held them back had they continued to take it forward. And for all of us, and this is not, guys, at all about COVID, just COVID, although that has brought many new and challenging dynamics into lots of our worlds, but you've also had nearly two years of other experiences, losing family members, Um, you you know, illnesses, all sorts of things that each one of us have had to contend with in different ways. And what the Father is always wanting to do, what Jesus does in his wanting to reassure us and reestablishes us, he wants to come and speak into those things that otherwise can become the seedbed of our future and how we move forward with him. They become the places where if we operate and stay living from that point, going forward, they become a a something that hinders us. You know, we don't know, we'll never know, but what would have happened for Thomas, you know, if, if, if Jesus 
had never stopped. You know, when Thomas is with the other disciples and he says, I'm not going to believe. I don't, I don't believe unless I get to put my hand where, where, where the nails were, unless I get to put my hand in his side, I won't, I won't believe, you know, that, that he's risen. And then about eight days later, Jesus appears comes into the room and immediately says, you know, he wasn't present when that happened, but he immediately says exactly the same words to Thomas. Thomas, come here, put your hand, your, your finger here, put your hand in my side. He mirror images what Thomas had said out loud, what was in his heart. Jesus steps right into it and he wasn't there. It was like a Nathaniel moment of it. He wasn't physically present, but he's saying, Thomas, I know what you need and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it my friend, with you now, because I don't want that doubt to become the seedbed of your future as you go forward. I've got other things for you. And guys, over this last two years, be it COVID-related, be it other things that are going on in life, what the Father wants to do, and which is why we need to allow him space to, to come and meet with our hearts to say, what are those things that he wants to come and reassure us in, in order that that doesn't become the defining thing of how we move forward. So I'd really encourage us to take time on our own, but we're just going to spend a couple of minutes now. Um, I think the guys are going to put it up. If you've got a Bible, it is from the message, so I'm sorry if you have a different Bible, but if you've got a phone and you want to bring it up, because I would really love it, guys, for us to really engage. We're just going to read this. If you would like to read along out loud, please feel free. There is something very powerful um, about the Word of God and us declaring it together um, as, as a community. But I feel in this passage, guys, for each one of us, I really feel like there is something that he wants to highlight to you personally. Um, it was... Oh, you could spend years in this little passage. There's so much in it. So we're just going to read through it slowly. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask right now, because you want to come and reassure us, because you want to speak to us personally, no matter who we are in this room, no matter who we are on Zoom, that there are no barriers anywhere. And your voice is personal to us. And your voice comes and it speaks right into the things that we need to hear. So, Father, I pray that you would take your word now and you would just bring it to life, Father, where we need to receive and hear from you this morning. So we thank you for your word and we just declare that it's true and that it's beautiful and we receive it. So, guys, this is from uh, the end of Romans 8. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us, and maybe even amongst us as a community. We've felt these guys, we, I know, for all of us, that we feel we are always journeying these birth pains you know, we go through difficulties and challenges and pain 
And so each one of us, you know, this, this scripture is, is we, we are in this, you know, we are part of the sense of creation around us, but also who we are as people, where, where there is pain and there's groaning because things are not yet in their fullness. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. We feel the tension of that, don't we? Of living in this place between faith and and trust and knowing what God can and wants to do, um, but then also sitting in the reality sometimes that um, it doesn't always feel beautiful and it doesn't always feel great and it it can be painful. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. Because in this place, guys, as we have gone through these things and as we continue to grow through them, so even though we experience the pain and the challenge of that, it's not in a decreased way. When we, when, when, you know, in a, in a pregnancy, you know, there are challenges in that. There is a, a waiting and a, a longing and you physically feel it but it's not in a way of decrease, it is a way of that it is leading towards life and that's what God is saying to us here that in the things that we're going through that they are not to diminish us or to decrease but he wants to bring his increase through them. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what is enlarging us but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we even know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name, like Chloe, Angela, Cheryl, Terry. Guys, how amazing is that? Like how much certainty and assuredness is there in in that, that he calls each one of us by name. And not only does he know, because in calling someone by name, you're saying, I know every, I know who you are. I don't just know the word that you're called by, but I know the essence of you. I know all about you. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. 
And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Guys, what a promise in that for each one of us in the room this morning. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, guys. It's for each one of us that he's called you by name. He knows you. He takes you. He establishes you. He makes you okay with him. He sets you on a solid foundation. And then when he's done all of that, if that wasn't enough, he stays with you until the absolute end of it all to see you through. So what do we think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of his chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger at you? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the very presence of God right now, at this moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture like these where it says they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. What a beautiful piece of truth, guys. There is so much power in there. And I'm just going to ask Ellie and Johnny just to, to come and lead us in a time of worship where I would just encourage us, if you feel comfortable to stand, please feel free to do that. And we're just going to ask the Father to take those words and weave them deep into our spirit that even as we go through these times of discombobulation and getting used to being back in places and spaces and rebuilding together, because he's got things ahead for us, guys, that he wants us to step into. But first he gathers us. First he got the disciples around a fire and fed them breakfast. First he gathered them around the table and ate with them. So let's keep doing that. But we need to come to the Father because only he can take that certainty and and form it so deeply within us that our bedrock continues to never be shaken even in all of those challenges. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. And we just rejoice um, over over everything that you have spoken in that, all that you've done for us. And, Jesus, I just ask that you would come now because only by your spirit can you bring that transformation where those words go from just being words on a page 
to being uh, something that sits deep within our spirit that we begin to live from and believe you for. So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, that that we would just want to worship you in spirit and truth for all that you are and, and all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name.